guys, I'm Kiri. I'm Meru. I'm Panda Cat. I am an Alice. And this is Shigari! Hi! Tonight we are going to explore the need to chart the uncharted. Exploration, it's one of the biggest foundations of history. Uh, expansion of territory, the need to push one's body beyond the limits. Boundless curiosity <laughs> are the building blocks of humanity. If you've ever seen Top Gear, that voice <laughs> we've been talking a lot about space exploration the last couple weeks but what about boldly going where no one has gone before but here on earth what about uncovering something that you thought was lost forever or what about going toe to toe with mother nature herself which sounds like a terrible idea to see if you can withstand the ends of the earth so today we're going to explore exploration Bum, bum, bum. I like it. Wait, is that the wrong response? We need pin wheels. I just kind of imagine you like sliding down Everest or something. Like, I explored it, I'm all done. Wee! Guys, I did the thing. <laughs> there should be a slide in a bouncy castle at base camp. Oh, there my God. Should. There should be a slide in a bouncy castle. That's literally <laughs> what they should do. They should send somebody up there and then unroll a gigantic inflatable slide and then everybody who climbs it just gets to whoosh right down it. Like, that would be amazeballs. Be like, congratulations, you didn't die. Here's your reward. Right. Is there a particular gas they could inflate that with that wouldn't just die because of the cold? Oh, that's fair. That's a good question. Oh, we need science. We need us. <laughs> Someone needs to science the shit out of that. <laughs> yes. It is necessary. Necessary. Just add the shivery. And let us know. And let us know. So, Alice, you should kick us off then with um, the whole thing you wanted to talk about because it was like, I don't know, I, I have stuff I can add on to it and I kind of love the thing you're going after. So I think you should just kind of go with your exploration badness right now. Okay, so really the whole reason I wanted to talk about this is because I wanted to talk about the Top Gear Polar Special. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it totally counts as a science thing because they were technically the first people to get within a mile of the magnetic North Pole in a vehicle. That is impressive. They wouldn't be able to do it, but they did it, and they did it hilariously. Um, with a bottle of gin. <laughs> How else would you <laughs> get to the North okay. Pole? <laughs> because as Jeremy says, he's like, don't write to me about drinking and driving because technically I'm not driving, I'm sailing. Perfect. <laughs> 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 yes. So uh, if you're familiar with Top Gear, uh, Jeremy's kind of a lout and James is the one that knows what he's talking about. And... Richard is Richard, and I love Richard. But he had to go in a dog sled while Jeremy and James got to go in a Toyota pickup truck. So over the course of the episode, they race from, I think, Resolute, which was the town that is the furthest north, to the North Pole. So they set off in the truck, and Richard had his dog sled and he was going with Maddie McNair, who is a 
super serial explorer. Kind of a badass. (laughs) (laughs) And they were trying to see who would get there first. Can the car get there first, even though it has to stop constantly to dig dig its way around ice boulders or not be stuck? Or can the traditional dog sled team get there first? You know, to be fair, they both sound just really cold. And I like cold, but I don't know if I like that much cold. (laughs) Oh, they were miserable. And it was great. (laughs) <laughs> it's so Your much pain fun is to amusing. watch men suffer <laughs> episode showed them getting ready for like cold weather stuff and they had this like secret this like royal secret service some SAS veteran come and show them like how to get the tent up in the wind and what to do if they fall in the water and nobody wanted to jump in the water so he like pushes Jeremy in and then when he gets out he's like roll in the snow and they're like yeah roll in the snow because that's better than a big pink fluffy towel oh my god it was hilarious and they were miserable the entire time and mostly drunk Hmm. and they were like we're the only people that are going to have made it to the pole who didn't want to be there James even says in the beginning, he's like, let me make it clear now. I'm only here because the producer said I had to be. It's like one of my favorite quotes. He's going on about how much he hates everything. And he's like, I hate this. I hate the clothes with the rustling and the zippers. And I I hate that. And I hate your stupid truck. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So he was like having a great time. Is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. But they did it. They still made it. And kind of rem- I, I wonder if that's kind of what it was like but with less gin for Robert Scott <laughs> and Roald Amundsen I don't know how to say this Amundsen I am not Norwegian I cannot speak Norwegian what? so I just just slur it nobody will know <laughs> those dudes <laughs> those guys and the first people to ever reach the South Pole it was a race between an Englishman and a Norwegian guy. Oh. And one made it and the other died trying. So Yikes. I kind of, it, it kind of reminds me of that whole story. Cause the one guy took supply ponies instead of anything normal. And all the ponies obviously did not make it they, like one by one. They died of exposure. And right. The because they're ponies. And it's on the, the Antarctic. <laughs> <laughs> like they finally got there and the other guy had already made it there and had his flag planted like a month before and then they did not make it back now correct me if i'm wrong the norwegian guy was well supplied and very well prepared and oh yeah and the english prepared. guy was just a hot mess wasn't he didn't he get sick like a couple times over that trip or something like that Plus, yeah, like all his ponies died because who the yes. hell brings ponies to the Antarctic? They were like frostbitten, delirious. They did not. It was not smart. Let's yes. not say ponies. But apparently you can take a Toyota. What What yeah. if you put a sweater on the pony? Got it some snowshoes. Oh. I feel like sweater. it would have been Oregon Trail and they would have just died. <laughs> but just not of dysentery because, you know, <laughs> you're frozen. It's fine. <laughs> This is fine. <laughs> yeah, the uh, so the Norwegian guy, his his whole journey was, like, super uneventful. Like, they planned it meticulously and just did everything right. And the other guy was just ridiculously unprepared. So, 
since we're talking about the Arctic and the Antarctic, I kind of want to go back up north and talk about the HMS Erebus and the HMS Terror. Do you know about the Franklin's Lost Expedition? Oh, yeah. Right, where that, that guy was, like, trying to find the Northwest Passage and... Like, they took two ships up there. They had this super well-planned, like, expedition going. There was only, like, this 70,000 square miles worth of, like, area left kind of unexplored up there where there would possibly be a Northwest Passage. And so they're pretty sure that they were going to find a way through. And, like, halfway through the journey, they get stuck in ice. And um, both ships are completely, like, ice-locked. Um, they end up, one group tries to, like, walk off of the ships and, and walk to safety. The other group stayed with the boat. Uh, and then years later, they discover that, um, nobody made it, by the way. None of them. They all died. Terrible deaths. Frozen, frostbitten, of scurvy and hypothermia and lead poisoning of all things, uh, just to kind of cap off their awesome adventure. Um, but also there were reports of cannibalism. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfectly normal. Yeah, some some <laughs> nom marks on the bones. It's fine. I guess it's fine. <laughs> nom nom nom. Tasty, tasty flesh. Right. So maybe don't go to the Arctic unless you have a Toyota pickup truck. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, two middle-aged men, deeply unfit, mostly drunk, mostly made it. drunk, drunk driving through <laughs> the Arctic. <laughs> Nailed it. Well, and it's so funny. Like most of the quotes that I use in my daily life come from this particular episode. <laughs> They're like, he's deriving, they finally get, they're stuck in the boulder field for like three days, and then he starts deriving way too fast. He's like, we'll not be beaten by a dog. Wow. (laughs) It's just, Uh, it's amazing. So when you can only get there drunk. When did the Antarctic expedition happen? Um, that one, I actually spilled blue cheese dressing on. (laughs) (laughs) Well... There's that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's awesome. That's an interesting um, thing that just happened. I I was I was going to mention, you know, in, I think it was 1845. No, I feel like it was 1911. No, it's 1911. That is what oh, that says. That's, that's awesome. So this particular, the Franklin's <laughs> expedition was lost in um, 1845, I believe. Yeah, I think it's 1845. Yeah. So that's interesting. Like, so yeah, like over 50 years before the expedition to the, the Antarctic, which apparently was mostly a success for one guy and a terrible, terrible failure for one other. This that was a crew of two shifts for the one guy. <laughs> it's like, nah, I'm cool. <laughs> and not at all the other one. Not at the other guy is really cool. Like frozen cool. <laughs> Like, <laughs> sub-zero cool. cool. Hey, man, just let it go. <laughs> just let it go. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he has. He did not want to build a snowman, by the way. No. <laughs> oh, my God. I think we're all done with the Arctic puns. <laughs> well, we're not done with the snow. <laughs> we are not, in fact, done with the snow. <laughs> Maru, do you want to talk about your expedition next? <laughs> I don't know. Do I? I don't know. Yes, because I, do. I feel like those people are. <laughs> it might get a chilly reception. I don't know. <laughs> <coughs> Here's who 
<laughs> oh my god. Have I told you guys today that I love you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think god. she could go now. I think she's all done. <laughs> my, my brain, like, collapsed. I felt it. <laughs> It avalanched inside my head. I'm all out of I'm all out of snow puns, so I'm never out of snow puns, but I figured I should stop if I ever want her to talk. <laughs> That's true. So my expedition just that, the tip uh, of the iceberg. Oh god. Oh no. Oh no. Not the tri tip. Not the tri tip. Not the tri tip. <laughs> oh god. I can't. I'm done. I forgot what I was gonna talk about. It was uh, no, what are we doing? It was mountainous. Yes, I have it right here in front of me, and I can't <laughs> words. Wording is so, hard and stuff. Word thing mouth noises. So my expedition that I was going to talk about was about uh, the first people to climb Mount Everest. Ooh. Yeah. So in um, let's see. It, it was. Uh, Sir Edmund Percival Hillary oh. and what was his and then his Sherpa it was name oh Tenzin Norgay sure. became sure. the Sherpa sure. Sherpa sure. 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 <laughs> they became the first ones to ever reach the summit of Mount Everest on May 29th 1953 and what was interesting like as I was reading about him I think most people know that he was the first one of the first two people to climb Mount Everest but he also through two other expeditions, was the first person to reach both the poles and to climb Mount Everest. Holy crap. This this guy's intense. He's a glutton for snow punishment, that's for sure. Apparently. (laughs) He is Elsa. He is Elsa. (laughs) Like, I will go to all the snow. He won't take snow for an answer. He just couldn't (laughs) let it go. Oh, my God. This is I didn't plan to do this. <laughs> this is amazing. It's just what's happening. <laughs> he he barely did a lot of mountain climbing. He was uh he made his first major climb in 1939 when he reached the summit of Mount Oliver, which I don't know if I know where that is. Olivier, Olivier. It's hmm. spelled like fancier than Oliver. And he's also uh, he served in the Royal uh, New Zealand Air Force as a navigator during World War II. This guy was intense. Because, of course, he did. <laughs> this guy was intense. So oh English my. people love to explore, apparently, is what I'm they, hearing. They do, it seems like. But he was actually prepared. He was successful, right? <laughs> yeah. Because he Franklin's expedition, total failure. That other English guy to the Antarctic, complete failure. And then this guy, he's <laughs> like, screw it. I'm going to do all of it. Y'all can suck it. <laughs> Yeah, sounds about right. Um, and then actually, snow. <laughs> after after his ascent of Everest, he um, apparently devoted most of, of his life to helping the Sherpa people. What? And oh. set up the Himalayan Trust, which he founded and is still in existence to this day. Holy crap! Where they built schools and hospitals in Nepal for the people for their for their society to help them because do again, better. Why not? I like that they're called the yeah. Sherpa people. Yeah. I love that. It the makes me feel like they just have all these blankets everywhere. Oh my god, they totally <laughs> they have blankets. They probably do. Why wouldn't they? That'd be amazing. Yeah, I mean, they uh, they live by a really cold mountain. Yeah, I would have yeah. He was blankets. actually a really cool guy that we totally, like, joked through and stepped on. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
That's a really cool story. <laughs> he's kind of amazing, and we're kind of dicks. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> he's pretty well. Rest in peace, Sir Edmund Hillary. <laughs> We, we salute you. You've done. We salute you. It's actually apparently it was argued for a while of who was the who was first to summit Everest because in 1924 there was an expedition. If you're if you've ever heard of Greg or George Mallory and Andrew Irvin, mm. oh yeah. So apparently they went. They said they were like there was a huge storm coming in. They're like, yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna go up there. And everybody was like, okay, but they never returned. Oh. So no one actually knew if they had made it to the top. But then after, yeah, <laughs> after they, the clouds dispersed and everything, they found one of their bodies, like, on the north face of Everest. So I was like, don't really know. Did they make it up and then start to come back down? I don't know. So hmm. I still, they, they still count. Flag. I feel like, yeah. yeah, it doesn't count if one, you don't plant the flag and two, if you die. Yeah. Like, because then, like... I feel like it counts if you die, but you have to plant a flag or take a photo. Yeah. Or your body just needs to be at the very top. Screeny like, or it didn't happen? Die at the top. <laughs> yeah. Have your body be the flag. Did Did you literally just call screeny or it didn't happen on Everest? Totally <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. I'm> fine. <laughs> totally fine. Uh... Interesting side note of Everest. As of 2016, there were over 200 corpses on that mountain. I was just going to ask you about that. It was like, yeah. isn't there like 200 some odd dead people like yep. just hanging out up there? Yep, and some of them some of them are even serving as landmarks to help people find their way up. Right, wouldn't that be kind of like, cool? turn left at the dead guy. That his hand pointed that way. If I ever died it's doing something amazing, I want to be a landmark. Yeah, I feel like that's really the only way to do it. Right. <clears throat> that sounds so, awesome. Just a bunch of dead people up there. Highly recommend if you have not seen the movie Everest to watch the movie Everest. Oh my god, the movie was so good. It's so great. <laughs> it, it's really good, and that it, it talks about the 1996 expedition with Rob with Rob Hall and what was this adventure consultants where they started became super popular for needs to start taking amateur climbers. No, and that's a terrible. Yeah, and it's it's a it's not a happy feel good movie, but it's a good no, no. movie. Like, it's a looking for a terribly happy ending, sad movie. It's for you. Yeah, it's those two hundred dead bodies. That's real. Yeah, <laughs> thing. Those Pretty sure fun. like eleven of them are from this expedition in particular. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is sad, but it's like I mean it's real. Like I don't know why you would take amateur people up there. That just seems crazy. Right. But... Like, I would never, I, I like to hike and stuff, but I would never consider, I would die. Again. Nope, 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 I like the nope. cold, but, nope. I hiked from Manitou Springs to the top of Pikes Peak, which took 10 hours, by the way, because I was the whiniest human. I have and I thought I was going to. taken a train, but I've never yeah. taken my feet. I've taken, <laughs> that was the only time I've ever been up there was walking, hiking, and I thought I'd die at the top. And like we were, we were like a, I think it was mile from the summit, like walking through the rocks. There's like really rocky oh. at the top, and I and I sat down, and Ben was like, "Are you are you going to continue?" I was like, "No, just leave me here." No, I, like, I'm I gonna, will die. I'm gonna, die, here. I'm gonna die here. <laughs> and there was like lightning in the distance, like coming towards us. He's like, "We should probably." I was like, "No, nope, I'm done." 
I'm here. I will serve as a landmark. Yes. My <laughs> books will forever be here. Turn left at the Meru. It's fine. <laughs> there and left at Meru. Yeah. And I've never been back up there since. I was like, no, it's good. It, that's, you know, I've... The past couple weeks hiking with goat, that's kind of where my brain has been. It's just like, just leave me here. <laughs> I don't even like hiking up my steps. <laughs> Let alone up a mountain. This is why I like Top Gear. Deeply unfit, mostly drunk. <laughs> right. He keeps telling me, he's like, we should do Pikes Peak. And I'm like, mm mm. Or my we could not. car was in a cloud of smoke the entire way back down. <laughs> I thought it was dead. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't even like taking my car up there. Like, I don't. I don't want to go up there. I don't like take my car up there. I don't want to be up there anymore. I'm all done. I've seen it twice now. I'm good with my life. Yeah. I've done the thing. Plus, I mean, plus, yeah. seriously, like once you hit like tree line and above, I mean, it is a nightmare because it's windy and it's cold and it's just. But it's so cool to see, and you can't it breathe. Is. There's no breathing, even yeah. for natives. There's no breathing at twelve thousand feet. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's fine. I don't need that. We need oxygen need, up there. I don't need oxygen. <laughs> All that breathing, such a pain in the butt. That's yeah, conveniently, the song was about from like way long time ago. There was a song about how there's no air, and I feel like that's what it was about. Yeah. Conveniently, there is oxygen up there. They just in bottles if you need it, right? To breathe. But if you want to see the pretty sights, you can go on the website and there's a camera up there that I just happen to know the person who installed that. Yeah, there's a camera up there. That's good enough. <laughs> yes, you can see you can see all the sights on their website without having to go all the way up there. Without having to breathe the lack of breaths. Yes. <laughs> I'm, the lack of breaths. You know, I'm honestly yeah. curious, like, if they know the names of the dead bodies that are serving as landmarks on Everest. I'm sure you know, they do. I don't, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they do. It just says some. They probably had ID on them. I'm sure they probably, it doesn't say here specifically. I think you have to sign a thing. It's like, um, like the trails where you have to sign a book to say, hey, I'm going up, so please notify my family if I'm not back. Do you? Right, yeah. I mean, it is a mountain. Like, you just kind of, I don't know, go up the mountain. I feel like <laughs> for a lot of the more treacherous trails and stuff, you do have to, like, sign stuff like that, like... Um, yeah. Or you have to have permits to go out into the thing so they can eventually start searching for your body. Right, but again, just like any other mountain, it's a mountain. You just, I mean, there's there's kind of two routes, but like... I'm trying to take like the mountain goat back door up the <laughs> And I feel like You're going to try and take a Sherpa up the mountain, are you? <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, happening? I, I think that would be fine. Okay. Ponies? You want some ponies? That's a good I just, ponies. Again, I don't, I don't think ponies are a good idea on Everest. <laughs> I think they might need sweaters. They might need Not their own oxygen tanks. <laughs> Most likely, yes. All these are accurate. <laughs> they also might be too fat for the little, like, ladder bridges that they have. Oh. oh poor fat ponies. Poor fat ponies. Hey, fat pony. Hey, fat pony. This is what we do with our lives. This is fine. So, I feel like from the top of the world, we now need to go to the bottom. The bottom! Whee! Now's your wee part. Whee! <laughs> to the most epically tragic Near song ever. Where am I? 
you want me to just turn it down and keep it in the background? <laughs> I mean, I guess you could. Because obviously, so one of my absolute favorite things in the whole wide world since I was like a little kid, I've been obsessed with the Titanic. And uh, of course, the ship itself was, um, you know, a passenger ship. So that's part of exploring, I suppose, is people going from England to America. Mm-hmm. And of course, as everyone knows, they hit an iceberg, capsized, and everything died. And except for enough. Except for Rose. She she's never gonna let go. So and, I do uh, wanna point out them off the blank. Rose is gonna get us flagged on YouTube for copyright fringements. <laughs> <laughs> this is fine. Not if they can do the ones with the dragons. <laughs> I feel like I feel like just saying the word rose is fine. Because <laughs> um, we're but... not claiming it. <laughs> But then, of course, because everyone was obsessed with the tragedy that was the unsinkable ship, uh, finally someone was able to discover it. So it sank in April of 1912, um, and they weren't able to actually... No, they didn't discover it until 1985 by a gentleman, by a French-American expedition led by Jean-Louis Michel of Eifermer, and Robert Ballard of the Woods Hole or Oceanographic Institution. Those words are hard. (laughs) Right? When, uh, obviously, they rediscovered the wreck, which was not anywhere, was not actually close to where the coordinates that they said they were sinking at was. Um, I want to say it was... But there has to be some kind of drift that they have to allow for that. Right. Right. It was located 13.2 miles from the inaccurate position transmitted by the Titanic crew while the ship was sinking. Plus, you figure as it like breaks and and floats down, because wasn't wasn't right. half of it like way far away from the other half of it? Yeah, the two pieces. Um, well, the debris field covers five to three, like a five by three mile like square. Wow. Um, so the actual, yeah, two pieces were about a third of a mile apart, um, the main pieces. And then obviously debris went everywhere Wow! from just like, you know, the utensils and all the things that fell out of it. Um, they found shoes on the floor where someone's body eventually, like the body itself has been decayed and eaten by fish and whatever else. Um, but the, the shoes are still like on the bottom of the ocean. Is this the and appropriate the moment t- for the Circle of Life song? Right. <laughs> oh my god. And then uh yeah, they ended up um obviously now you can go to like different museums and see some of the cool stuff that they've scavenged from the wreckage. Obviously they can't pull it out because it's been too degraded um over the years. So they can't pull out the whole thing, but there's like big pieces of a hull they've taken out and restored so that you could people could see. Um I actually got to go to the Las Vegas exhibit when they were doing it um, at the Luxor and it was absolutely freaking incredible just to stand near a piece of the hole and see how massive this thing was and just all of it's just amazing how much life was lost and like oh my god it's so crazy but of course I'm obsessed with like rediscovering old things like those are the things I'm obsessed with because I was an art history major and so like the other things that I care about with like rediscovery and like exploration and stuff is like going back and finding cool digs that we've rediscovered like um the terracotta soldiers in china oh yeah um 
that was super cool like they're there to guard you in the afterlife and it was completely hidden under just generations of like dust and dirt dude and, and that rock. guy was crazy by the way yeah like the terracotta yeah. army was not even his craziest thing that he did <laughs> yep <laughs> yep no i know i mean what's i guess no one's actually ever been inside of his actual tomb really near the terracotta army they still haven't ever opened up his tomb. It's just, just like, everyone... nah, we don't want to mess with that. We have no idea what kind of bad juju like that's going to be a King Tut kind of right. like, curse on that. Right. So it's fine. So but uh... before you run too off, too far off, this it was really ironic that you picked the Titanic because on my way home on the radio, I heard that there are tickets going that are around $100,000 a ticket. This company oh, for the new, called like for the new ship that they're doing it. Yeah. Something called Ocean Gate. They will take you in a submersible down to the oh. wreck of the Titanic. So if you can just find a spare hundred thousand dollars, right? Then, I'll do that tomorrow. Yeah, you could just <laughs> take this this tour. It's uh from May next year. A London-based tour operator, Blue Marble Private, will run eight-day trips to the Titanic's final resting place. That's so crazy. So the other thing I thought you were going with um, is they are building an exact replica of the Titanic. This sounds like yeah. a really good idea. Um, that so really end well. Right. I know, right? And I want to go on it, like, so bad. But I think, I think it was something crazy, I'm like $80,000 for a ticket. So and like, didn't they do that? And didn't that one also sink? Didn't Titanic have a sister ship that also sank? Weren't there... I thought there was more. Are you talking about the Lusitania? No. Well, what, what, oh, I can't remember what it was called. I want to say it was the Queen Mary, but I'm not sure. Cat? Uh, <laughs> Google? <laughs> <laughs> so when I was looking up Titanic. <laughs> Elevator reader. Right, it's fine. I'm so glad we're not videoing me right now. <laughs> well, there was the. H HMS Oh, the Britannic? Yeah, the Britannic and the Olympic. Um Again, you're gonna get us flagged on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if they can put uh Avengers scenes to it, we can have it playing softly in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it the Britannic actually was lost during the First World War, so did, I I think it eventually did sink. But it wasn't necessarily because of just. It was. I mean, it was in a war, so. It is. Okay. Oh, apparently, um, yeah. As the largest ship to be lost in the First World War, the vessel is also currently the largest passenger ship on the seafloor. Yeah. Yikes! So that might actually be bigger than the Titanic. That sounds. Sank after an explosion on 21 November 1916 near Kia in the Aegean Sea. Oh, so was it built afterwards? Well, it has uh, to be yes. the Titanic so, was the biggest one. Right, so it and was then launched. And they decided to make a bigger one. Right. <laughs> yeah, so um, Titanic sank in 1912. Um, the Britannic wasn't even completed until 1915, the December of 1915. Huh. And it was in service from the 23rd of December 1915 to November of 1916. Surprisingly, it seems like only 30 people died. Oh, the Britannic. Wow. Well, maybe they learned their lesson with Instead the, of the yeah, whole damn ship. They have in more lifeboats. <laughs> they have way more lifeboats. So, by right. the way, the Olympic had a long-lasting career spanning 24 years from 1911 to 1935. 
Wow, oh. look at it look at it go. Look at it go. When you say Olympic, I immediately think the Olympic character from Battle or the Olympic carrier from Battlestar Galactica and go <laughs> in a whole other direction. That's awesome. <laughs> large ships that don't with people that don't make it. <laughs> right. So the, And it looks like instead of instead of crashing, this one got scrapped. Yeah. So the So Olympic... it was retired of its own accord. And it so what the heck was its... I thinking? What was the Lusitania? <laughs> the Lusitania is um, it is another ship that I'm reading the book by um, uh, Eric Larson right now about the Lusitania. Um, but that one, it's a British open liner, ocean liner, that a German submarine sank in World War One, causing okay, so a major diplomatic sank. uproar. Yeah, okay. so it did. It did in fact. <laughs> Sink so and it does kind of resemble boats that sank category. <laughs> yes, but that one partially collapsed wreck, and that one was 1907. Oh, so or it was in service to 1915, so it sank a few years after the Titanic, but um, that was also lost in World War One. Hmm. So, so I totally lied. Ships. The Queen Mary was fine; had a very long lifespan. And the Olympic retained <laughs> the title of the largest British-built liner until the Queen Mary was launched in 1934. Because oh. we just have to keep building bigger boats. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> More boats! More boats! More boats. You get a boat. Boats, boats, boats! And you get a boat. Just, just more boats. And More snow. boats! <laughs> Boats and snow and boats and snow and boats and snow. <laughs> Mountains. So the other thing I was going to just, so of course, you know, discoveries of things and, and things that were lost. Uh, obviously Pompeii is also up there just to throw it out there. I love, oh my God. The love Pompeii. Volcanoes. It's amazing. I think it's incredible. Oh my God. Um, disasters are amazing. And, and volcanoes. See, I knew you'd like that one. Um, but of course, since we were talking about like exploration and like, you know, fun things that, uh, happen with exploration um i remembered watching an episode of mysteries at the museum and i was like oh it's this is kind of a funny story because it's like more of an unconventional like um exploration type situation or unconventional type of exploration in 1982 a guy named larry walters from los angeles decided that since his dream of being like in the air force and a pilot had been completely squashed and killed because his eyesight was too bad. He tied 40, 40, I'm sorry. He purchased 45 weather balloons from the army Navy surplus store, tied them, tied them to his tethered lawn chair, dubbed the inspiration one and filled four foot diameter balloons. He armed himself with some sandwiches, Miller light and a pellet gun. He strapped himself into his lawn chair and he off he went and he thought oh you know i'm just gonna float lazily like 30 feet above my backyard this is fine and then i'll just pop the helium balloons with my pellet gun to bring myself back to the ground but little did he know that as soon as they released the tether he shot into the air like out of a cannon and he ended up leveling off not at 100 feet not at a thousand feet but 16,000 feet into the air and by then he was too afraid he was too afraid to start shooting the helium so he just he sat there for 14 hours Mm. like floating in space basically um until he finally um started to get up the courage to shoot it 
and uh, eventually crossed the primary approach corridor of LAX, and uh, he startled the Trans World Airline and Delta Airline pilots, and <laughs> so <clears throat> eventually he hit a power line, blocking out part of Long Beach for 20 minutes, and uh, yeah, he eventually got fined a pretty hefty fine, and uh, yeah, he is on the Darwin Awards list, and I just thought that was kind of a cool, yeah, he survived. Huh. Yep. Huh. Oh, fun. Apparently, he never married and had no children, and Larry hiked into the forest and shot himself on October 6, 1993. It's probably <laughs> for the best that he didn't spawn more right. people. Like, so... I don't think you want that in the gene pool. I mean, come <laughs> on. So, what, 60,000? Right? Of feet? Which part, sorry? No, 16,000, 16,000, yeah. okay. But, but still, still, like, <laughs> 16,000 feet. Like, you are in, like, airplane territory. And he hit and... power lines. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. He, but yeah, the, I think the actual, like, chair itself is now in a museum somewhere. <laughs> um, they've actually, like, they finally were able to locate the, the actual chair or whatever. And Was it burnt? It museum. <laughs> like, I don't know. It hit the power I don't lines, think so. like, <laughs> But yeah, Miller Lite sandwiches and a pellet gun. Oh my god. Like, that is life. It said that after his idea, he was briefly in demand as a motivational speaker. Why? Oh. <laughs> of how Can not to live your life? Sandwiches? <laughs> About how to just do what you want to do. Live your dream, man. <laughs> I'm not letting my eyesight keep me down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a pilot of a lawn chair. Oh. <laughs> Now I feel lazy because that's also what kept me from being able to be a pilot. You (laughs) could have tied helium balloons to your Sears lawn chair, and you didn't. You missed out on an intense opportunity. But I'm still alive, so I can still do this. That's true. Still time. You know, you have not gone into the woods and shot yourself. And to be fair, if we go to the top of Pike's Peak, we could maybe top his record. So if we just it's start true. up there and let you go, just bam, maybe, done. Maybe we do less than 45 helium balloons. Right. Like 44. Let's do less than that. On the list of things. Like 44. To do as a group. Right. Yeah. Group activities. <laughs> group activities. I will get the sandwiches. Field trip. <laughs> Good news. We're going to have your, your Jeep to tie you to. So that was an important step. Ooh, and oh, and instead of Miller Lite, we can have... Um, Anything else? Wine. Literally anything else. <laughs> right. This is fine. Kali is not going back up to Pike's Peak. She can't. Okay. My poor Jeep cannot. <laughs> it has nightmares about it. Sometimes I hear it whimpering in its sleep. Right. <laughs> the brakes cry out in pain on the way down. <laughs> I had to stop so many times because there was so much smoke. So by the way, guys, if you've never been to the top of a 14,000 foot mountain before, um, on the way down, they make you stop at Pike on Pike's Peak. Like just, what is it? It's, it's not even, it's somewhere around like 11,000 feet. I think they may, or 10,000 feet. They make you stop. It's, Probably it's pretty yeah. high up there still. Like, you're pretty close to the top, but they make you stop and they do a brake check on you. So they have a little heat gun that checks how hot your brakes are and it's they will past, make you sit. Yeah, it's past the it's past the tree line. But the thing is, the way you pass that test is because your brakes don't get hot until you're on your way back down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they make you stop 
and they make your you sit in your car how to get past that test (laughs) (laughs) in a 99 cherokee (sighs) it's fine that's mostly drunk and (laughs) middle-aged oh my god so real quick before we wrap up i do want to talk about um kind of two of my favorite female explorers um, one of them, of course, being Sacagawea, because that chick is just ballin'. She was a teenager when she first joined the Lewis and Clark expedition, and she is really the entire reason that they made it, uh, across the United States. She helped them the entire navigate. Reason. Yep. <laughs> yep. Because they were completely screwed up until she was hanging out with them. Um, so she, she really kind of pioneered the way, even though they get all the credit. Right. Uh, and then the one other one yeah, that what, I... a coin that doesn't even mean anything? Right. She got a gold coin for a couple of years that nobody wanted to use. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of sad and messed up. But it is a gold coin. It was pretty. I have one of those. I have one. <laughs> I kept it because it was pretty. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the other chick I want to mention is Isabella Bird. Uh, she spent much of her life as a world traveler, and she published a couple books about her travels. But she also um, came to Colorado, and she journeyed up to the top of Pikes Peak and had a cabin home in Estes Park. And she also dated, like, this guy here. There was some guy named, oh gosh, can I find his name? Where did his name go? Named Guy. That guy. he's more important than him. No, that's <laughs> guy. That guy. I have no idea, but like his last name was like Nougat or something, or Nugget or something like that. <laughs> like Ted Nugent? Yeah. Nicker. And she More described him as like this guy that like no woman would ever marry. And she dated him for like a couple of years or something like that. And then she like promptly left and he literally died in a gunfight like a, like a year later. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. She was like, I'm going to roll out here. I'm going to bang you for a bit. And then I'm out. <laughs> Deuces. Deuces. She also traveled to China and Japan and the Middle East um, and a whole bunch of other countries across the world. So she was really a world traveler, and she was just pretty amazing. She was also the first woman to be elected a fellow of the Royal Geographic Society. Hmm. That's cool. So up until 1892, women were not inducted into that society, and she was the first. That's neat. Good for her. Good for her. Get it, girl. And she was uh, ridiculously sick all the time, too. And that's kind of part of the reason she came out to Colorado is because she thought that, you know, as we've talked about in one of our other episodes, that um, uh, the cure, they thought that the cure for tuberculosis was, you know, coming up and getting some fresh mountain air. And we realized that's not true at all. But, you know. It's fine. It's fine. She hung out here for a minute. It's cool. She knows what's up. Yeah, she took a 3,000-mile horseback trip um, across the Front Range. Oh, that's neat. All right. 3,000 miles around Colorado. That's insane. There's apparently a school named after her in Denver. There is a lot of oh. stuff named after her. I was kind of like, as I was doing like some research on her, you could find all kinds of stuff, and I've never heard of her before. So that was kind of crazy. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, Colorado history, folks. Colorado history, <laughs> dropping yeah, yeah. some knowledge snow bombs on your face. <laughs> <laughs> knowledge snowballs to the face. <laughs> so that's it for our episode today, guys. I'm Kiri. <laughs> I'm Maru. I'm Panda Cat. And 
Alice. And this has been your adventure with Shigari. Woo! Bye!